Good morning. Happy Sabbath. It's so great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. 
Carrie, when you said, oh, we're so glad this week is over, I was like, yes. <laughs> Today, we are starting off our summer series called Rooted. Every Saturday, we're going to learn and we're going to hear a testimony of people in Scripture, both men and women, who have testimonies, who have stories. And we're going to see how they are rooted in the grace and love of Jesus Christ. Who's excited about that? Because I am. Let us pray. God, we are here in your presence and we're so excited to hear a word from you. And so I pray that I may hide behind the cross and that you can speak to us directly. That our minds and hearts can be open to your spirit this morning. That we can learn something new. But most of all, that we can leave this place knowing that we are loved. Knowing that you have called us. Knowing that we are chosen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jeremiah 17, 18. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought. No nor will cease from yielding fruit. I don't know about you, but I love plants. I love greenery. I love going on hikes. I love, I'm that person that, you know, on the hike, I stop and I take my iPhone, I take pictures, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is beautiful. I love God's nature. Now, sometimes when I get a gift of a plant, I'm like, yay! slash oh no I don't know how to keep this plant alive and so that like I love I love it but I struggle with keeping plants and flowers alive now I made a vow to myself that when I actually got this beautiful orchid from the pastoral team when I first moved into my new home and I was like I am gonna try my best to keep this alive and it's the longest orchid the longest plant that I've had is eight months old now Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, that's, it's the longest plant that I've ever had. No, it's funny because when you research it, after the, the flowers fall, you have to repot it every time. At least that's what I've um, read on. And so the first time when the flowers fell, I was like, mm, I don't know how to do this. I'm a little anxious. I don't know about the repotting. I'm just going to let it slide. And I just prayed. And then I just did, every week I watered it, I cared for it, you know, I put it in the sunlight, and miraculously, flowers bloomed back. Now, I was lucky. I was like, yes, look at me. Pastor Jesse, she got this plant going. Now, the second time the flowers fell, I was like, this is, this is real right here, because I know I need to repot it. And so I took it and I repotted. I saw the roots, how, how they were just all crumbled up and ready to sprout. And it needed to be repotted. Now, as I'm repotting, I'm realizing I'm taking this plant from its home, taking it out and replanting it somewhere else. 
And this whole process of repotting really allows for space for the roots to grow so that the plants can grow bigger, so that there can be better and larger flowers. So pray for me because I'm hoping that this plant will bloom. But have you ever been in a place where you had to be repotted, where you had to be rerooted and replanted? Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. And usually when, when we turn to this chapter, we, we see this story of Naaman, right? It's a beautiful story. But today I want to focus on this little girl, this little slave girl, this little slave girl. And today we're going to learn how her story is such a big testimony for us. And I'm going to read through it. So please read with me. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Now Naaman was commander of the army and the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly guarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of travelers from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him from leprosy. So Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel has said. By all the means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, that you may cure him of leprosy. Let's pause right there. Imagine this, right? You're Naaman. You're, you're the highest commander to the king. And then you hear a little whisper of a little girl that says, hey, I know someone who can cure you from leprosy. And so he goes to his king and he's like, hey, yo, uh, so I need a letter because apparently I can get cured from this disease. But you need to talk to the king of Israel. And so the king is like, all right, I'll hook you up. Here's the letter. You can go. I want this to sink in. This is a message from a little girl going to the headquarters of the king. And here Naaman is moving. He's bringing his gifts to go because of a witness of a little girl. Let's continue to read. Verse 7. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elijah, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had, turned, had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the, man, have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. 
So Naaman went to, with his horses and the chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house. Elijah sent his messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But look at how Naaman responds in verse 11. But Naaman went angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of God. And he would wave over the spots of leprosy and he would cure me. But that wasn't the case, right? But then here, Naaman's servants responded in verse 13 and said, my father... If the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? And then here, Naaman, verse 14, so he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. What a beautiful story. What a beautiful story. And it all comes out from the witness of a little girl, a little slave girl. Now, I want to take into comparison verses 1 and 2. Here, you have a comparison of Naaman, right? It says that he was the high commander. I can, I can just imagine, you know, him walking in the streets. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's because of you we won the war. It's because of you that we have all of these defeats. But yet, when he's inside his home, he knows what he's really struggling with, which is his leprosy. In contrast, into society, when you see this little girl, when society sees this little girl, they see a little girl, an insignificant girl, a slave. Yet on the inside of her home, she is the one that is rooted. She is the one that knows who she belongs to. She is the one that can claim on Jesus Christ. And so early on in this chapter, you see this comparison. This little girl taken into captivity. She was uprooted from her home, taken into slavery. Slavery, think about that, being in prison, confined, in custody, prisoner of war, being in a place that is not your home, being a slave, being invisible, silenced, ostracized, stuck. Have you ever been in these positions before? Silenced ostracized, stuck. I have a funny story. It was in the time when I was a teenager that, and I had braces. Can I get a woot woot to everyone who had braces? Yes. And so I was there and I love when I, when I watch TV, I do like to like lay down. And so in my living room, I was laying down and I must have fallen asleep. And so I fall asleep with my arms crossed and my head like this. And then I hear the doorbell. So I go and I turn my head quickly and my braces get stuck to the carpet. And it was one of those like, this would happen to me. And I'm like, no, this cannot happen. And literally, I know that it's my mom coming because it's the time where she comes from work. And I'm like there trying to like get out. And then I start laughing and I'm just, I just like give up. 
because I'm stuck. She opens the door and immediately she comes in. Hey, like, why didn't you answer the door? I had to shovel through my purse and then she sees me. And I'm like, mom, I can't get up. <laughs> and so she tries. And then at this point, I literally, I'm like, I'm going to be here forever. And I start crying. It was very traumatic. And she's like, no, don't worry. And so, like, she tried pulling, and it, it just was stuck. And so we got water, and then with time, I was able to get out. I mean, we've all had those experiences where we've been stuck somewhere, where we feel, like, hopeless, helpless. But there's something about this girl that even though she was a slave... Even though in her situation, people would sit, think that she was stuck. Even though she was silenced, right? That did not put her down. That did not embarrass her. As a matter of fact, she knew that her position was important. Even though her position now was a maid, right? This is her position, a maid, her role. In society, her role was to be a servant to others. But she took that and she owned that. She owned her position and she knew that she could make a difference. Now here in the Hebrew, little girl means that she indeed was from infancy to adolescent. So that was her age range. Now in the Hebrew, little also meant insignificant. So imagine this is a label that is given to you. And this girl, this teenager, this, we don't know her age, but she comes out and she says, I am not going to receive this label that humanity puts on me. She's like, nah, son, I'm not, I'm not about that label. I am the daughter of the king, and he is the one that gives me freedom. And so I choose to live in that freedom. Not only do we see her position, but we see her placement, right? Now, she could, be, she could have been a servant to anyone, but she was a servant to the Naaman's wife. So she's smart. She knows that where she's placed is significant. And so here we see her job and responsibility. She understands that even though she's a slave, she's a slave to people that make decisions. She's a slave to people that actually mean something to this country, to Aram, to Syria. And so when she was uprooted from her life in Israel, she was planted to serve in the commander's headquarters. And this placement was not a coincidence. And so here she knew that although her placement was to be a servant, although her placement and her job was to serve and to be a slave, she knew that her job did not define her. Now, I want this to sink in a little bit. Your job does not define you. Your work does not define you. What you do does not define you. And this little slave girl, she understood that. She served the best that she could because she knew that her identity was in Jesus Christ. She knew that her character was rooted in the grace and love of God. She knew who she belonged to. And so she said, my work does not define me. 
And lastly, I, I want to read this verse again because I just love it so much. In verse 3, she said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. She knew this. She had faith. And so not only did she understand her position, her placement, but she understood that now it was her chance to profess. It was her chance now to share the gospel. It was her chance now to bring healing to others. Now, let us think in you're a slave, you have no rights. And here you see the person who took you into captivity, who is dying, who has a sickness in your humanity. Do you want to heal them? I wouldn't. I would just leave it at is. I would be like, bueno, I'm here. I'm just doing my job. But this little girl was like, I understood he took me into captivity, but I want healing over his life. Mercy. Mercy. And so she takes the deeper step and she says, I am going to profess because I know that there is a prophet. I know that there is a messenger from God that can cure you from leprosy. I know. And his name is Jesus. She was rooted. She knew that her purpose was to bring life to others. Her purpose was to shine for God. Her purpose was to bring freedom. Her purpose was to tell people, I know a name, and that name is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, there's something precious about that name. There's power. There's healing. There's anointing. There's promise. There's hope. There's salvation in that name. Oh, Jesus. She used her voice. She used her voice, even though it was meant to be silent. She spoke up. She could no longer see the pain that Naaman was suffering. So she spoke up and offered healing. And it was because of her that Naaman was able to dip himself in the Jordan River. Although he was like, I don't like, I could have gone to other rivers. But it was because of her that he dipped himself seven times. And that takes faith seven times to be cured. It was because of her. Not once, but seven. And so she was rooted, but then uprooted, right? And then replanted. I want to share with you, brothers and sisters, that sometimes in life we may be facing our situations, our life where we feel uprooted, where we feel like we're in a situation that wasn't our home. But even though we find ourselves in those situations, we can still share who we are. We can still share that we are the son and daughters of the king. We can still share his name. I love this verse is 1 Corinthians 1.25. 1 Corinthians 1.25. And it says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. It's not about how strong you look, because Naaman looks strong. In our weakness, we are made strong through God. 
For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. I have a quote from the Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary from that verse, and I want to read it to you because I want us to understand that every person here is a seed that is planted, that every person here has a ministry. And so it reads, God measures not by man's standard, amen? Because of the pride and ambition of the children of men, God has chosen to perform his mighty works by the most simple and humble means. It is not the men whom the world honors as great, talented, or brilliant that God selects. He chooses those who will work in meekness and simplicity, acknowledging him as their leader and their source of strength. He would have us make him our protector and our guide in all of the duties and affairs of life. Continues to read and it says, The majesty of heaven works by whom he will. His providence sometimes selects the humblest instruments to do the greatest work. For his power is revealed through the weakness of men. We have standard of reckoning, and by it we pronounce one thing great and another small. But God, but God estimates not according to the standard of men. He does not graduate his scale by others. We are not supposed that what is great to us must be great to God, and what is small to us must be small to him. It is not by our human standard, but God's standard. He has chosen you to share, to be a witness. He understands where you're going through, but he has selected you, chose you to share, to share his name. Now we know that when you are replanted, right, I'm thinking of the pot that, the, the plant that I replanted and I'm hoping and praying that I'm taking care of it, you know, for it comes with times of care and watering and hardships and storms and nourishment, watchfulness and faith. You know, it's about the journey. And, and in this journey, we can see ourselves that maybe right now I have a flower and the person next to me has 10 flowers and they're blooming, it doesn't mean that one is greater than the other. Last night um, with the collective, our young adults, we do a monthly Zoom cookout, cooking thing together so for us to hang out. And last night we decided to make um, seitan uh, a steak, which is gluten steaks. And we all had the same ingredients. And we all had the food processors and like, we all had a cutting board and, you know, the rolling thing, but they all turned out different. Yeah, it was the same ingredient. One was stretchier than the other. The boil, like literally we did the same thing. And as we're, as we're looking at this, Jen is like, there has to be some spiritual application to this. <laughs> and there is, because we are all different yet all loved and planted by God. 
We're all different, yet we have the same ingredients. We all are connected and rooted in God. And so I may have one flower blooming while someone is still a seed. And that is okay. Because we know that once we're planted, we have purpose. Once we're planted, we know that we are in God's hands and under his wing. And he will tell us when the time we can share our witness. And so it's not because of us that we increase, but God. Only God can do the increase. One man plants, the other man waters, but God does the increase. It is only God that you can get out, the, out of the storm. Only God is the one that can give you hope. Only God is the one that can shut the doors that aren't good for you. Only God is the one that can mend your broken heart. Only God is the one that can give you wisdom. Only God is the one that can give you the talents to mobilize the church. Only God is the one that can keep you rooted in his love. So how about this? Can we make a pact today? Can we say, let's God do his thing. Let us let God do his thing. Tell the person next to you, let God do his thing. Come on, guys. I, I didn't hear that. Tell the other person next to you, let God do his thing. Let God do his thing. Because it is God that does the increase and we just got to drop his name. Accept the fact that you have been planted. You have a purpose. You are free. You have a hope. So you better know that all you need to do is drop his name. What does that mean? It means that when you're weary, you better drop his name. When you're broke, you better drop his name. When you're in the grocery store, you better drop his name. When you're eating out and the check comes, you better drop his name. When you're in the hospital, you better drop his name. When you're in the circle of your friends, you better drop his name. When you're sharing your Netflix account password, you better drop his name. Brothers and sisters, you better drop his name. That's all he wants from us. So let us remember this little slave girl. It was because that she shared, I know a person that can cure you. Because of this little girl, Naaman brought, she brought salvation to Naaman's life. And so when we drop his name, we actually give God the opportunity to bring salvation to people's homes. We give him the authority over people's lives when we share Jesus to others just by sharing his name. Let us pray. Oh, dear God, we're so thankful for this story of this little girl who has no name. But we know that she knew the person, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit. She knew the name that mattered. She knew the name that could heal, that can give us hope. God, we pray today for every person present no matter our circumstance, no matter where we find ourselves planted as a seed or as a plant or as a tree or as a flower in bloom, 
We pray that you can cover us. We pray that we can be rooted in your love, in your grace, so that wherever we find ourselves, that we can be a witness, that we can share who you are to others. Oh, God, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.